We'll get into from God. Jonah running to God. Jonah running with God and Jonah running ahead of God. But I was thinking about the people that left Jesus. You know, he preached and taught uh, some hard lessons. And at one particular time, there was a number of people that were with him that left him. And he looked at his disciples and said to them, will you also go away? Well, Peter, Peter, the outspoken one, said, to whom shall we go? I'm reminded of the song, where could I go but to the Lord? Uh, It was written back in 1940 by James Buchanan Coates. Mr. Coates was born April the 6th, 1901 in Summerland, Mississippi. And by the time he was 14 years old, he was teaching music classes and leading evangelistic singings. The inspiration for the song came years earlier when Mr. Coates was sitting beside a dying neighbor, an old African-American man named Joe Keyes. Mr. Coates asked Mr. Keyes if he, where he would be spending eternity. The old gentleman said, where could I go but to the Lord? Uh, fast forward two years later, Mr. Coates, while teaching at a singing school, he wrote the song, Where Could I Go? Living below In this old sinful world Hardly comfort can afford in alone Temptation so Where could I go But to the Lord Where could I go Oh where could I go Seeking refuge for my soul Needing a friend to save me in the end Won't you tell me now where could I go Now you know neighbors, neighbors of kind. I love them, everyone. We get a long and sweet accord. But listen, all oh, but when 
when my soul it needs manna from above where could I go but to the Lord you know the song sing it with me where could I go where could I go oh where could I go seeking refuge for my soul I'm a truly need in a friend to save me in the end where could I go but to the go but to the Lord to the Lord to the Lord hallelujah you know I love those old songs they're so precious again I hope you have an outline if you don't if you just lift your hand there make sure that you get one Reading from Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I mean, it, 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 this, this book and this story begins uh, right off the bat. It says in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness, God says, has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. Notice twice. He says he went down and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I... Uh, I don't guess Jonah knew, he may have, Psalms 139, verses 7 through 10. If you're running from God today, when man runs from God today, listen at what the psalmist says in Psalms 139, verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? Or where can I flee from your presence, he says. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, God, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There is nowhere that you and I or mankind or any of us can go, that God's not already there. Let's read the introduction. Your most important enterprise as a Christian is to find and to follow the will of God. Romans chapter 2 and verse 2 says that we are to prove what is that good and acceptable 
will of God. It is one thing not to know the will of God and to miss it. It is another thing altogether uh, to know the will of God and simply be like Jonah and many others and refuse it. The classic example in all of the Bible of a believer who knows the will of God and yet doesn't want to do it is found within the pages of the prophecy of Jonah. Ever since the fall of man, man has been running from God. You know how Adam and Eve ran from God and hid God said, Adam, where art thou? That's what he's asking me. You, you know, you can be sitting in church and running from God. It's important to understand that. First of all, he ran from God. And these go chapter by chapter. Chapter 1, from God's will, from God's presence. Are you like Jonah when God says, go, whatever the task Whatever his will, do you say no? From God's presence, disobedience leads us down to spiritual desolation. He went the opposite way. He went directly the opposite way from going to Nineveh. He fled to Tarshish, which was the wrong way. How about your way? Which path are you walking? Today, he went from the presence of God. I love this statement. You might want to write it down. The presence of God is intolerable to a rebellious will. Let me say it again. The presence of God is intolerable to a rebellious will. Rebellious path of sin. And when we rebel against God, it is a path of sin. Certainly, it is a path. Of disobedience. Jonah on the downward grade. He went down to Joppa. Then he went down into the ship. And when you go away from the will of God. And you <clears throat> rebel against God. You go down into bondage. You go down into bitterness. And of course all of us know. Most of us know of the storm that came as a ship was sailing on the waters. You go down into a stormy weather. When you go away from God, you go down into guilt. You may be sitting here guilty because of disobedience to God, because you're running from God. We go down to separation from God. Some have left their first love and gone down. Your course of action will either cause troubles or blessings with others. He got on the ship. God caused a great wind. There was a storm. Jonah was in the belly of the uh, ship asleep. The captain and all the crew threw over everything they possibly could to save their life. Nothing stopped this terrible storm that God Almighty had brought. So they find Jonah sleeping and they talk to Jonah and Jonah tells them he's running from God. He is a disobedient, rebellious prophet of the Lord. The storm would not cease and so Jonah told them, if you'll throw me overboard, the storm will cease. And 
what happened, his course of action caused trouble for these sailors, for this ship. When we disobey God, young man, young lady, mom, dad, when we disobey God, some way, somehow, it affects the lives of other people. I've seen young people get on drugs and how it affects the lives of those that's around them. No matter where we are running away from God, it will affect them. Are you running from God today? I think we need to ask ourselves where I am with God. Second of all, running to God, chapter 2, talks about when he was thrown overboard, God not only prepared the wind, he prepared a fish. Some people says a whale. And this fish swallowed Jonah, and Jonah begins to pray. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. Then I said, Jonah speaking, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Verse 6, Jonah says, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet, he goes on to say, you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. He was running to God. He, I believe, was repenting. It was a decision that Jonah made. If you come back to God, if you're running from God, the man or the woman or the person that's running from God, if they come back, it's a decision that they make. We sense the presence of God. We realize God is dealing with us. We realize we've lost out and been separated from the very presence of God. And then we make up in our mind that we're going to say, hey, I am going to return. I think one of the greatest lessons in the New Testament is the prodigal son. Most of us know one of the best stories in the entire Bible. How that he came to his father and he wanted to leave. Give him, he said, the portion that belonged to him. The father did, and the Bible says he left, and he went into a far country. One thing led to another. He spent all that he had on riotous, empty, ungodly, selfish life. And this is where he found himself. In fact, he found himself where he was having to feed the hogs, the pigs. And it was a disgrace for them to even have anything to do with hogs at that particular time. And the Bible says he came to himself. And he said, my father's servants have more than I do. I will, this is a decision, I will return and go back to my father. Every man, every woman that's gone away from God, that's backslid on God. They have to make a decision, I'm coming back to the Lord. You say, Brother Don, I don't know. I've been too bad. I've been so far away from God, I don't know. Listen to me. I've been so far. Will God forgive me? Can you imagine the heartache of that dad of the prodigal son? But he sat waiting for him. He longed for him. Now let me ask you this. Who's doing the running now? 
The Bible says that the father looked up and he saw his son coming at a far distance. And the Bible says he ran to him, fell on his neck and kissed him and loved him. You wonder if God will accept your return? Oh, yes, he will. He is great and merciful. He is graceful and merciful. You will find him welcome. Then you back. God Almighty will. How many of you are glad for the God of a second chance? God gave Jonah a second chance. Wow. I mean, can you imagine in that fish's belly? You know, you can go fishing and get fish uh, all over your hands, and it just stinks and smells terrible. Can you imagine being in the belly of a fish? Can you imagine how terrible it was? He even speaks of the seed weed wrapping around his head. Sin is awful. It will destroy you. It will put you in bondage. And so the old fish said, hey, I better do something about this load I'm carrying. So he belched him out on the dry land. Hallelujah. God calls the fish to do that. God gave him a second chance. God will continue to go after the man or the woman that is running from him. It's like the holy hound of heaven. If he has to follow you all the way to the gates of hell, he'll be there and he'll call you back to him. He'll, he'll renew the relationship and the covenant that you once had. By then, Jonah was ready to listen. God knows how to make us cry uncle, don't he? He knows how to get to us. He knows how to pursue us. He knows how to forgive us. And Jonah was ready to listen. Your running can hurt innocent people. Your running, my friend, your running days should be over. So running from God, running to God, and then running with God. I love this story, how that it, it, it goes that Jonah went to Nineveh, this awful, wicked ungodly people. I love how Jonah ran to preach the gospel to a people that are waving. I think if there's anything that this story tells, it's the love and the concern that God Almighty has for the lost. The city of Nineveh. The message was brief. Eight words. Brother Johnny came up last week and told me he preached eight words. He said, repent. Someone said if a sermon is good, it need not be long. And if it's bad, it ought not to be long. It was a short sermon that he preached. And he got their attention. He preached repentance. I love one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's 1 John 1 and 9. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Listen to me. If you have sin in your life, if you're running from God, if you're a distance from Him, if you've lost your first love, if you're not obedient to His call and His will. 1 John 1 and 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us. If we confess our sins, that's what He's asking us to do. That's what Jonah did. He repented. He came back to Him. If we confess our sins, John tells us, He, God Almighty, is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins, and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. John preached 
The people repented. I love that. I mean, wow. If you're here and you're a minister or you're witnessing for the Lord, you testify and they repent. You preach and the people certainly repented. There was a revival. There was a change from the king right on down to the animals. There was a change in people's hearts. I told you last week, Max Licato, people change when they hurt bad enough, they have to. They change when they learn enough, they want to. God Almighty will help us change when we receive enough that we're able to do. Transforming lives through Christ. I think I've heard that somewhere. Transforming lives through Christ. That's our vision statement. God wants to transform, change your life. And these people change. They change the direction. They change their attitude. And they change their life. You know, when you come back to the Lord and really and truly repent, you change. Is that okay? We're living in a society, a culture today. You can have people to say, I've repented. But there's not much change going on in their life. But I believe that God wants us to change, turn around, and go, as it were, the other way. God's blessings follow. God relented that he was going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days, and yet God relented. The blessings of the Lord was upon him. God loves mankind the most Quoted probably verse in the Bible. And the best known verse in the Bible. For God so loved Durham. That, wait a minute. For God so loved America. No. For God so loved the world. How many of you know that? He loves the world. He loves the people of Nineveh. He loves the people of the Middle East. He loves the people wherever you go and teach to Africa where we're ministering now. We've been to India. Brother David has been to India and saw how that, that great nation needs a revival. And people like Moses Chowdhury, and we have supported this man for years. Nicaragua needs the gospel of the Lord. And we've supported that ministry for over 60 years. God's so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John the Baptist looked up and saw Jesus coming over the horizon. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. My enemies, your enemies. That's the reason Jonah didn't want to go. Nineveh, Assyria, were, they were the enemies of Israel. They would kill them. And he didn't want to go because he knew the mercy and the grace of God and they would repent. And yes, God would forgive them. Your and my enemies... I have a hard time accepting that. I got some people I really dislike. I mean, I don't, I love them, but I don't necessarily like them. <laughs> and yet my God loves them. And he likes them. He don't like what they're doing, maybe necessarily. But God Almighty will save whoever. 
Jonah got upset about it. This is when he was running ahead of God. You're talking about a pouting prophet. Jonah was a pouting prophet. You ever pout? He was pouting. He goes out on the side of the city, sits up on a hill. There he began to mumble, complain. I told you. Lord, I told you. I told you if I'd preach that you'd save them. Now here they are. The Bible says they're rejoicing over one lost soul. <laughs> we should rejoice over people getting saved. Amen. You're talking about rejoicing. You let about 10 people come here this morning and get saved. Man, we'd crank up that keyboard and we'd go to town. I'm telling you. You rejoice when people receive Jesus Christ. Not again. Not get angry. Not start pouting. He was offended by the love of God. And that takes me back to the prodigal. You see, the prodigal boy, prodigal son, he had a brother. And the brother stayed there and worked and gave himself his energy. Stayed and was faithful to his father. And then all of a sudden, this young whippersnapper, this young boy that had gone out and spent all that he had, he comes home. Oh, the father was excited. He welcomed him. He kissed him many times. He killed the fatted calf, took a robe and put on him, put shoes on his feet, a ring on his finger. And the older brother came home from the field. He'd been working. He was tired. What's all the music? What's going on? One of the servants told him, said, your brother, which was lost, is now found. Don't you know he should have just rejoiced? He should have praised God. Church, the church needs to rejoice over the unsaved getting saved. He was pouting too. Boy, people like in the Bible pouting. He wouldn't even go in. So his father came outside and said, what's going on? What's, why won't you come in? You know what? I've been faithful to you. I've not wasted your money. My money, I've not wasted it. I've worked hard. And here this, my brother, or your son, I don't think he called him his brother, has come and you've done all of this for him. No, I'm not going in. You've never killed me a fatted calf. And I think sometimes this is the attitude of the church. You know, we can have what we want. We open this altar every Sunday morning. And we ask people to come. Very few come. But you can have what you want. Now you say, preacher, have I got to go to the altar? No, but you've got to meet Jesus where he is. It might be the altar. It might be down beside of your bed at the house. It might be driving along in your automobile. But you've got to meet Jesus on his term. You've got to get rid of that pride. He must get rid of that reluctance and that stubbornness. It's time for us to get bold and say, I'm going to make a stand and take a stand for Jesus Christ. And the older son was complaining. You never did that for me. What did the father tell him? Oh, my. Listen, church, listen to this. Everything I've got yours. You could have had it at any time. You could have had salvation when you wanted it. You could have been sanctified and cleaned up from the world. You could have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
you could have had the anointing of God. The gifts of the Spirit could have flown in your life. You could have been an instrument, a method whereby people could come and find, listen, it's all yours. It's yours. You can have it. Here he sits. He's upset. Talking about Jonah. God caused a plant to come up overnight and shade him. It was hot. It was dusty and he didn't feel good and he was upset and angry and pouting. And this plant comes on. And you know what the Bible says? Jonah was exceedingly joyful. Why? Because it shaded him. See, God's preparing throughout this, this Bible. He prepared a wind. He prepared a storm. He prepared a fish. He prepared all of these things. And then he prepares a gourd, a plant, a shade. Boy, he's enjoying that plant. And all of a sudden, God prepared a worm. The worm came out and ate the plant or began to chew on it and the plant died. Boy, he was angry again. Oh, my Lord. And God said, are you justified, Jonah? Are you justified over pouting and angry and upset that this plant is gone? Oh, over a plant? If you're going to be upset over this plant, shouldn't I, God said, be concerned over 120,000 plus people on their way to hell. Why don't you rejoice? It's time for the church to see people born again and saved. I'm excited about Mickey and the team. He has a whole team. In fact, they're canvassing in the area. Durham and Raleigh, the, the area. I'm looking forward to hearing about these people being saved and about how people are being saved through them. Jonah, listen to me. Rejoice. It's time for the church. Can you say amen to rejoice? God relentlessly pursues and mercifully forgives. Let me say it again. John, God relentlessly pursues and mercifully forgives. If you're here today, and you've been running. Aren't you tired? I love the movie The Fugitive. Harrison. What's his first name? Huh? Oh, that's his first name. Thank you. Harrison Ford, he's the fugitive. But he's not the one that makes the movie. That detective is the one that makes the movie. And at the end of it, he said, You know, I'm glad this is over. I'm just I'm just tired. And when you can stop running from the Lord, you can be glad it's over. I'm just tired. Aren't you tired of running from Him? Aren't you tired of not doing what He wants you to do? Aren't you tired of not being in His will? Aren't you tired today? Don't you want to just to run up the white flag of surrender and say, Lord, I surrender to you today. I surrender to you today. Brother Matt, I don't know what you have. Well, let's do sing the old standby for me, if you will. The altar's open. The chairs, that's the reason we have the chairs. Be bold. Say, Lord, I'm, I've not been obedient to you lately.
I've been shirking my responsibilities, and I know I have. I've not been in fellowship with you. My prayer life has been subpar. Lord, I want to ask you to forgive me. Or maybe you just need to lay a burden. Cast all your care on him. The Bible says for he, what? He cares for you. Just as much as that prodigal father cared for that son and ran to him. Jesus cares that much for you. He'll run to you. He'll put his arms around you. And the Greek says there he kissed him. And he kissed him. And he kissed him. He'll love you. There's nothing in this world like Jesus of Nazareth putting his arms around you and love you. He'll do that for you today. The altar's open. Feel free to come. We had prayer warriors. They know how to join you in prayer. They know how to pray to prayer of faith. And something will happen in your life if you want to receive from the Lord as we sing.